Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I'm joined by Lorraine Atchison, who is the Managing Director of Women in Business in Northern Ireland. Lorraine, how are you? You're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be here. Loads to talk about today because, of course, Women in Business is the leading network for women in the workplace across Northern Ireland. With almost 10,000 members, they have a diverse network of women who are all united in a common drive to build relationships, develop professional skills and ultimately achieve success. Now, Lorraine herself has over 20 years management experience spanning the UK and Australia. And she joined the Women in Business team in 2022 to drive forward the network and to support on wider strategic objectives. As the former Innovate UK manager, Lorraine gained a deep-rooted understanding of the Northern Ireland business community, working closely with government, with industry and with academia to establish cross-sectoral engagement and collaborations. Lorraine believes that now is a time to celebrate female pioneers who, through their innovation, have radically advanced their business and wider fields, laying the foundations upon which others can build. It's a wonderful vision, Lorraine. Um, And, you know, how did you end up here in Northern Ireland doing this wonderful job? Um, And it is a wonderful job. I should start by saying, Sarah, it's it's not a normal job. Um, So I moved to Northern Ireland in 2010. I married a a man from Northern Ireland. I fell for that accent. (laughs) And we moved from Sydney, actually. So you met him in Sydney? No, we met at university in Edinburgh. So a good 20 odd years ago. And um, we spent the 2000s, the noughties, in uh, in Sydney from 2001 to 2010. And at that point, I was working for um, a global consultancy firm and we had two young children and we felt like we really needed a bit more family support. And my family's very distributed. Chris's were here um, in Northern Ireland. So I was able to relocate with my um, with my role to Northern Ireland and we moved in 2010. And where are you from originally? So I grew up in Blackpool. Lovely, your gorgeous Blackpool. And how does uh, Northern Ireland compare to, to home? Um, that's a really good question. And um, I think at the beginning when I moved here, people would compare it to Sydney and say, why have you moved from from Australia? Yeah. And the biggest the biggest uh, difference, I guess, is the weather when comparing it to, <laughs> um, to Australia. But with regards to the northwest of England, it's a very similar landscape in terms of the friendliness of the people, the closeness of the community. And and it is home for me here. People hear my accent and ask me sometimes if I've had a, a long journey, but <laughs> Northern Ireland really is home for me now. Yeah, okay. You, you haven't lost the accent, but, um, you know, it's great to have you here. And in this role as managing director of women in business, this was this was a role that didn't even exist a couple of years ago because of the success of women in business and the growth of women in business. But what does a day in the life look like for you? Um, so every day is different, which is 
part of the brilliance of, of the job. So my day might include um, supporting the team in the work that they do in, in supporting and engaging our members. As you've said, we've got nearly 10,000 members. Often I'm running events and actually talking to members and they might be face-to-face events in any part of Northern Ireland, um, running an online session, um, talking to policymakers, to government, to funders um, who are all working on the landscape of particularly women entrepreneurs. Um, meeting with our board obviously we've got a brilliant board of, of committed um, individuals so it's a, it's a real varied role a lot of face-to-face time with our members obviously but then a lot of back office um, support and team management. Now you mentioned that you've almost 10,000 members now what do you think the secret of the success has been? So when Women in Business started 21 years ago it was set up by a group of committed volunteers who were really wanting a network for women entrepreneurs because at the time there was nothing there and um, we've grown now as you've said to that to that large number because we've in- included not only all the the women who are starting and growing businesses every day but we also have lots of corporate members now so um, we're really here to provide women with the support skills and connections they need to start and grow a business so that's for our entrepreneurs but also to thrive in their careers, whatever it might be. So that includes women working in charity sectors, in small private businesses, women working in the public sector, and obviously women working in large corporates as well. So it's moved away from just solely supporting those with the business idea. It is uh, for anyone at, at any time when they need a little extra help. Just looking at the entrepreneur figure, do you have some figures about how many female entrepreneurs we have in Northern Ireland? It's a really good question. I think it's changing all the time. Um, but what what we know is that we have many women starting businesses every day, but not at the same rate as men. So if women were to start and grow businesses at the same rate as men, we know that the um, for the economy, there'd be about an additional seven billion. So it's a huge amount. Um, and I think at a UK level, it's something like 250 billion if women were to start and grow businesses at the same rate as men. So, and and, and I think what's fantastic is every day I'm meeting women who are starting and growing businesses in every single sector um, from the sectors that you think might be traditionally associated with women to women working in in male dominated sectors like construction Um, and what is is challenging however Mm. is there's still many barriers that women have to overcome and some of those are just business barriers that all business owners overcome, like access to funding and finance. But then there's additional barriers, too, that typically face women more than they face men. And, and a good example of that is access to childcare. Yeah, that is a, a, an absolute biggie at the minute. And where are we, do you think, in addressing those? And I suppose, what's women in business doing to make sure that you're the leading voice? Sure. So if we start by looking at the finance and access to funding and support. So we um, are working diligently in that area and particularly doing that in partnership because we know that's something that we can't address on our own the problem the problem is too big um so one of the things we've done in the last couple of years is partner with techstart who are a local venture capital firm to run a female founders competition so through that we've funded um 12 women over the last two years with each with grants of thirty-five thousand each and we've got another competition starting later this year. So that's access to real money um, to help those women grow those businesses. And at, at the same time, more recently, we've been working with Invest and I on their Ambition to Grow program, which they have extended to um, a targeted program. So Ambition to Grow supporting women. What we know is that when you target um, interventions at women, more women apply. Unfortunately, 
historically less women would have applied for funding, access to public sector competitions and grants, etc. So we know that when you target a programme and an opportunity for more women, more women apply and then have success as a result. Do you still get asked all the time, why do you need an organisation just for women? Yes, no, I do get asked that question all the time. Um, and, you know, and I think in, in today's society, it's a good question to still be asking. But as I've mentioned, um, we know that in the entrepreneurship space, for instance, that women get um, access to less um, VC funding. So of all the VC funding that's given out across the UK, only 1% is given to women-focused teams. And do we know why? I think there's loads of barriers. There's, and, and there's not one key reason and there's not one solution. So there's bias at every stage, um, but also there's times when women aren't putting themselves forward and then there's times when <clears throat> we need to look differently about how um, the the panels are made up, who are making the decisions, how the opportunities are um, promoted. Um, there's, there's just a whole range of different reasons. But when programmes are targeted at women, what we see is many, many more women applying. The Techstar example is a really good example of that because um, in the initiatives that we have run, um, more women have applied for those competitions than when the programmes are open to both men and women. And in terms of sort of the government focus on levelling up, if you like, uh, would you say that women are very much a priority? Um, that's a good question. So within the levelling up agenda, there aren't initiatives that I've seen that are specifically targeted at women. However, um, there is often a criteria around underrepresented groups so if we are looking at entrepreneurship women are an underrepresented group so they so women are often included underneath that heading but it's not specifically said so um we're working at the moment on uh with enterprise northern ireland on the, the go succeed initiative which is supporting people starting and growing businesses and we're working as a partner on groups that are are predominantly female so we're working with women who are starting or thinking about starting a business and that's a UK government funded program so I think that's a good example where there is a gender lens. Now we've talked about the, the barriers being investment and very much access to childcare and that sort of leads us to the whole discussion around childcare and why that has always been almost seen as a women's issue instead of a societal sure. one. Yeah I feel incredibly strongly about this and um, not least as a mother of four children, should I say. Gosh, um, four. <laughs> four. Um, I think traditionally childcare has, has always been seen as a women's issue. But as you say, Sarah, it is actually a societal and an economic issue because good childcare enables all parents to go into work in the knowledge and safety that their children are being looked after and therefore contribute to the economy, pay taxes and do all, all the things that, that we need in a healthy economy. Um, unfortunately, here in Northern Ireland, we don't have a childcare strategy. There are many groups um, voicing frustration about this. And um, Women in Business worked with the FSB just a couple of years ago to um, to write a policy and a, a recommendations around what needs to be done. And we, you know, we're still shouting for a comprehensive childcare strategy. But w w and one of the things that we're doing in the meantime, we have set up Timely Careers. So Timely is part of the WIB group which also, uh, the, the group, I might add, also includes Diversity Mark, the Centre of Learning, as well as Women in Business. And Timely Careers is aimed at helping women return to the workplace. So we know we have more economically inactive women um, in Northern Ireland than in any other part of the UK. Gosh, right. And we heard from our members, many women who 
um, might want to return to work, but they want to do it in a way that works for them and their family, particularly because of the cost of childcare becoming such a barrier. People are really having to think about is is working worth it financially. Mm. And for many, they would say, no, it's not. Exactly. And we're hearing that time and time again. And also, I don't want to make that sacrifice anymore. Exactly. So so we understood that. We heard from the individuals saying, you know, they, they want to work, but it has to work for them. And then we were also talking to our uh, corporate members, our many, many um, members and stakeholders who are employers, who were talking about a talent shortage. And we recognise that there's many um, women who would like to return to work who are effectively an untapped pipeline of talent. So what Timely Careers does is it provides women with support and skills to return to work, so CV writing, interview skills, um, and it's a jobs board which advertises part-time and flexible jobs. And it really takes away the mystery at the beginning because, again, what I would hear, and I'd hear this from friends as well as from our members, somebody might want to return to work, but they don't want to do it on a full-time basis. Mm -hmm. But very, very few jobs are advertised part-time. So women will say, well, I'll apply for that full-time job. I don't really want to work full-time, but I'll do it for six months. And then after six months, I'll ask, can I reduce my hours? And so for me, that's a real, um, I guess, a sorry state of affairs because it means that women are going into roles. They perhaps don't want to work full-time. They're putting themselves and their families under pressure. And then people aren't being upfront. And then conflict arises. Of course. So we're trying to make it very, very clear at the beginning that these women are looking for a certain type of work. And these employers are progressive and recognise that work can be carried out in so many different ways. So we're really excited about Timely Careers. It's only been going a year, but for me, it's it really is something that I I think in, in the future is not even just for, for women returners, it's for men and women, because families need to be able to decide what works best for them when it comes to work and childcare and juggling those demands. So you really need those employers, those forward thinking employers that can do things differently to come on board as well. Exactly. And there's such a return on investment. We know, for instance, with regard to retention, that people who are working in a way that works for themselves and their families will stay with employers. So um, if they work in the hours that they want, the hours that suit, if there's flexibility, people will stay with the employers. So there's a real... um, strong argument for that return and it really makes sense I guess for the business but also for the employee and it it really helps with engagement it helps with promotion of opportunities so um, I'm really I guess keen to make sure people understand the power of part-time indeed uh, my eldest is 17 and I've always been employed less than full-time hours since I've had him Um, I've made that choice so I can um, balance my family and my home responsibilities with my work um, and yet I think sometimes there's a perception that part-time means part-time committed mm. and actually it's it's far from that. There's so much that I want to talk to you about in that and you know there's also at, at various stages in anyone's life again not gender specific but it does have to be said that a lot of the caring responsibilities are done by women and whether that's for your children or your parents or anybody in you know that's vulnerable and and it falls to that person um usually the woman to to look after everyone and there's certain times in your life too that you need to just step back a little mm-hmm. but it might not be forever it's just have that freedom or flexibility otherwise the burnout happens the wheels come off and you know up until now without that good support and good employers there people you lose those brilliant people 
Exactly. And I think we talk about the sandwich generation of of um, women in particular who are caring for both uh, elderly relatives and, and children. I think you can't underestimate the importance of a good employer understanding someone's personal circumstances and allowing them um, to be real at work and, and be experiencing those things and be supported because I think in terms of engagement and retention it speaks volumes. Well I know myself uh, when my father was ill um, that was a time that I decided to step back mm. from my job with the BBC because it was you know up until that point spinning the plates and looking after the kids and, and driving and commuting and working shifts and all of those things were tough enough but you know this was really the straw that broke the camel's back so I stepped back and I and, and the more that I talked to people kind of you know 40 plus that I've just reached that point that they think I have to just live a different way mm. or try there must be an easier way to make to mm. make a living yeah and I and I completely agree and I've you know, had that experience myself I sadly lost my sister two years ago and um and I just started this brilliant job with women in business that I'm clearly um, so passionate about. But actually, even the job that you adore and feel very fortunate to have um, sometimes isn't enough when you're faced with huge grief and change in your personal life. So um, this time last year, actually, I took three months off and feel very fortunate that I was able to come back to the same role and surrounded by a really, really supportive team and board um, that enabled me to do that. But... And what was that support like at that time? I mean, did you think, gosh, maybe maybe I'm not cut out for this anymore. Maybe I should just step back and, and then they of stepped course, in. You know, of course, um, all of those things. Um, I guess it's knowing that there's people there who understand and really care about you. They obviously want you to um, deliver and, you know, be the, 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 the leader they want you to be in the organisation, but ultimately recognise you're a human too. So I think we need to look at kind of people policies and and HR is really having a moment now, isn't it? It really is. Call it human resources anymore. People, yeah. Um, And and how you've got to be able to bend and flex and maybe this weak, compassionate leave it just doesn't cut it. Mm, No, it's a really good point. One of the um, the forums we um, convene at Women in Business is a HR Leaders Forum. So we bring together. HR leaders from our corporate members uh, about three or four times a year, in fact the next one's in February, to really share best practice around some of those policies. Um, so I know recently we had uh, Finn True speak about the work that they're doing around um, bereavement leave, uh, fo- following um, obviously bereavement, there was work also um, around um, early births and the impact that has on maternity leave. So we've been talking about some sensitive policies and really helping um, our corporate members share best practice between one another and I think that's really um, important because it, as you say it's just a, it's an increasingly um, critical part of business. And also seems to affect you know confidence levels as well when you have a, a, a personal curveball in your life you, you mm. sometimes just you know lose the ability to see what you're any good at sure. anymore. And I think that's why networks such as women in business are so important because we, it's very easy to um, feel that we're the only one going through that. Mm-hmm. And being part of a network enables you to see that actually you're not alone and there are others like you. And I think for me, that's part of my um, passion for the organisation, the fact that we connect people who can see that they're going through something similar, whether it's building a business and the challenges of that or the challenges of, of juggling multiple responsibil- responsibilities. But if I could just make a point on the on the resilience piece and, and the professional development um, 
again, we have seen the need for that. And so within the business, we have established the Centre of Learning and it runs many programmes that are there to, to support women in their personal and professional growth. And one of those is a fantastic uh, programme that we run on resilience, yes. um, as well as we run a, um, a programme on empowering women leaders, on presenting with impact. So we recognise that professional development space is particularly important for women. Women are interested in their personal growth and um and so we have an offering in that that's really important yeah and i mean i love i i work closely with women in business and uh you know i love that center of learning and uh something stands out from a course recently that i ran when i was doing the reflect and reboot course and it wasn't talking about the younger women with and the childcare issues it was about somebody you know older an older woman in the workforce and, and changing careers 50 plus and that's something that we have to talk about a lot now and that um, untapped potential Mm. from maybe people who are not just returning to the workforce after a long period where they feel I don't have those skills you know everything's moved on so much I I would be totally out of it or they've decided to change careers or they've been made redundant and all of those things yeah no we see that all the time and I guess firstly we know we're all going to be working till we're about 108 before we can retire (laughs) (laughs) so there's you know I think there's that so the you know the financial situation is different so people are working for longer um, but I'm seeing many, many women pivot in their 50s and set up businesses in their 50s and change careers quite dramatically and retrain. And it's brilliant to see, to be honest. It's really inspiring to know that your career doesn't stop at 30 or 40. And so we have many um, women in our membership who are at that point in life and they're reflecting and they're, they're changing or they've made a change or they're looking to change. And again, that's the power of the network, the opportunity to share and see how others have done it in a successful way. And how can people do that? Say they're listening to this now and they're thinking, I have an idea or do you know what? That's me. Um, But I'm a bit nervous about going along. What do I go to? How do I start my women in business journey? Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good question. So women in business is a network, a business network, and you can join for a very low fee. So I think it's about eight pounds a month. And um, and what I say is it's a bit like a gym membership. You have to go. So it's no good joining the gym and sitting at home and watching telly. You actually have to get your trainers on and get out the door. And it's the same with any business network membership. You actually have to go to the event. But we recognize that the word networking for some people is really terrifying. And, they, you know, I, I kind of laugh and say some people would rather walk over hot coals and walk into a room full of people they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get that too sometimes completely. Um, so we make it really easy for people because we know there is a fear sometimes with networking. So at each of our events that are face-to-face, we will always do some facilitated networking and, and get people talking to one another, but in a way that is made really easy for them. We help them do that. So you can go to one of our events not knowing anybody, but know we'll help you come away meeting lots of people. And we also do it online. So every month we have between four and eight events, a mix of online and in person. And that allows people to pick and choose things that suit their diary, to suit where they're based, um, and to really just get involved and meet new people. But you do have to get your shoes on and leave the house. And what do you hear back from women who've maybe, you know, been brave, put the trainers on and gone to something? Mm. You know, do, do they come back and say, do you know what? It was that one panel discussion I listened to or it was that event I attended to or, you know, I got an introduction to someone and, and it changed my life. Absolutely, all of the above. So um, just before Christmas, I was speaking to one of our members who's an entrepreneur. She um, uh, runs a uh, marketing agency and she had attended one of our events um, earlier um, 
in the year and um, got a thousand pounds worth of business just from being at that event from someone she met yeah within the next month you know so so that's a really lovely tangible example of somebody getting some um, business from it and then more recently I spoke to um, one of our members who is a partner in a law firm and uh, in private practice and she had said to me through coming to a women in business event many years ago she met somebody who now refers all her high net worth clients to her so that's the, the, the pipeline that she gets and it's wow. from those networks men have been networking in that way for centuries through um, networks through golf courses through GAA and soccer and women have done it less formally than that and the business network of women and business just allows you to put your arms around it and, and, and enable people to network in ways that really do make a difference now, the thing is, if you're, let's just look at that whole word entrepreneur. Mm. What does that actually mean? Because mm. um, I could see how being a female entrepreneur and starting your own business where you become your own <coughs> boss gives you so much ownership and control over your life. But I've had people say to me, you know, I run my beauty business. I have one employee. I don't have time to go networking. No. I have to do the job. Of course. And and so, it, and, and that's true. And they're probably doing a 10 other things as well as, um, exactly. being an employer and seeing their clients so we we understand that um and so we make our events as accessible as possible we record webinars we have events that are in the evenings as well as during the day we make sure that they're around the country um but it's an investment in yourself as well and i guess it's recognizing that there'll be a benefit from that mm-hmm. give it a go i think exactly I people, you've just got to one give it afternoon a go. or yeah one webinar but could change your life <laughs> the other thing is we have a huge social media reach so we have over a, a community of over about sixty-six thousand now and so we have many opportunities for our members to promote and profile themselves which is another avenue to put yourself out there to write a blog to promote yourself and um We've got a fantastic marketing team who really help our members do that. But again, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable putting yourself out there to say what your business is. And so, but that's all part of it. Yes. And so there's many opportunities, be it a face-to-face networking event, an online webinar, writing a blog. Um, it's all ways to promote yourself and your business or the organization that you work for. And is there an entrepreneur pecking order in terms of talking about that investment or people backing you? You know, if you are running the small business where it's just a small team, maybe you have a florist or something like that, against somebody who's invented the latest piece of technology, this app that's going to change the world. When you walk into the bank manager or you, you know, appeal for for that funding, do you think the focus goes on, on the app or does it go on supporting the florist? Um, I don't think it's as black and white as that, thank- thankfully, Yeah. Um, because we need all business owners and all ideas, um, but I can understand there might be that, that fear. Um, so I think it's this, the support out there for everyone. Indeed, I actually think Northern Ireland is one of the best places to grow and start a business. And there is so much support out there from organisations like ourselves to the enterprise agencies. To, I mentioned Enterprise Northern Ireland and Invest and I. So they're all of those organisations are there to support every business. Now, some of them will take a set to focus. Some of them might focus on businesses who are exporting. And obviously, it's looking at the business plan that you have and making sure you've thought about um, the return and, and that there is a market. But you need to do that whether you're running a beauty business, that there is a market, there's clients who want Absolutely. my services, or you're running a tech firm. So the basics are the same. And the support for people, whatever sector, whatever type of business it 
they're running. You also mentioned at the start that it's not just for the entrepreneur, it's for somebody working for a big company who wants to progress. Sure. So no. what, what sort of outcomes do you get? Yeah, there. absolutely. So, yeah, women in business is, is for women in the workplace everywhere. So it's certainly not just for entrepreneurs. We have a team that looks after entrepreneurs, um, but the wider organisation, we're talking to women in the workplace everywhere. So we do a number of things. Uh, we have a young women's network, which is fantastic. So that's open to women under the age of 28, women at the start of their career. And that's really about providing inspiration and giving them ideas about what they do next, how to stand out from the crowd, for instance. Um, so we have that group and, and it's really about linking to and providing role models and connections for women really at the beginning of their careers. We hear a lot of opportunities for women who by putting themselves out there, meeting new people, sometimes get the um the idea or the confidence or the um the reflection that actually I do want to go for promotion. So you hear about promotion, you hear about job changes, you hear about people feeling stuck and really wanting to broaden their their um opportunities. And Often people will say that networking is important for their job. So maybe they've got a BD role in an organization, a sales role, um, but actually they really don't like networking that much. So coming to an organization like Women in Business, they're able to really get comfortable and confident networking. And that really then helps them um, deliver the targets and because they get those skills mm -hmm. in another way and, and meet people from lots of different sectors and backgrounds. And learning those vital pitching skills and selling yourself as sure. well. And being vulnerable, it requires, it does require boldness, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, how do you like to get away from the office then, Lorraine? So I do Pilates. So <clears throat> I try and keep a Friday for me. Now, now that definitely doesn't always work. But where I can, now I'm at a point where my youngest is um, at school, I can have Friday morning to myself. So I like to go to Pilates to have the opportunity to exercise and spend time with my family. But I'm, you know, I'm one of, I'm just like our members. I'm a busy mum juggling everything. And so I just do the best I can. Yeah, you have four children. So what ages are they? So 17, 15, 12 and seven. Ah, so busy. And what do they think of what mum does? Um, I think they're amused. Right? <laughs> yes, I think, I think whatever your parent does is slightly embarrassing. <laughs> I think I've come to realise. Um, my daughter, who's the youngest, calls me a woman in business. A woman in Mummy business. is a woman in business. You're the woman in business now. <laughs> and, and it requires you to get up there, stand on stages, do podcasts, all of those things. Would that be a natural home for you? So I think that's where the link to Blackpool comes in, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, my dad was a stand-up comedian oh. and I'm sure that is in my heart, although I'm not that funny and I do wonder how he ever... <laughs> He worked at the working men's clubs of the, the northwest of England, which during the kind of 70s and 80s, which must have been a really, really tough gig. What was his name then? Just in case? Just in case my dad was Jasper Jones. And Jasper yeah, Jones. And, you know, Great name. And at the time, you do, it's like everything your parents do is embarrassing, as I've just said. So I was yeah. slightly embarrassed. But now I kind of, and my dad died um, a number of years ago, but how hard it must have been to stand on a stage oh, and yeah. try and make people laugh who would who will just heckle you. Yeah, they're there to yeah. you really have to earn yeah. that praise. So, but I do think that planted a seed in me um, that has, so what? So me standing um, on the stage at events and hosting our events, I think comes from that part of me that has a bit of an entertainer in me, to be perfectly honest. So you get a bit of a buzz. I do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is amazing. I've seen you on stages and you do brilliantly, but in a quiet and humble way. Um, what do you think is your biggest achievement then? I'm going to ask you that question that, people who go to all of the courses at Women in Business mm. dread to ask, dread to answer, I beg your pardon. So, you know, what do you think your biggest achievement to date has been? It's a really good question. Um, I do 
feel just having this job is has been a massive achievement because um I've all I've been a member of women in business I joined women in business myself back in 2012 and always really admired the organization and wanted to be involved with so the opportunity to lead it as a managing director was a really a dream come true it felt like a, an incredible opportunity um and then delivering what we deliver you know last year um we had about 5,000 people across our events we ran 70 events including a phenomenal event with Hillary Clinton that you hosted Sarah oh my god that was just like pinch me pinch me yeah so I think I just feel incredibly um grateful to be part of such an amazing organization making a difference in women's lives every day and we also have a lot of crack the team are brilliant I love the team you know we have you know, we work really, really hard, but everyone's so passionate about what they do. And I think that is a privilege. You know, we go to work, we really enjoy what we do. And I think we're very lucky to to be in that position. Where do men fit in in women in business? So allyship is critical. Allyship is really about being an active support and advocate for another group. So in, in the case of, of women, it's really about men being an ally for women who might be underrepresented in certain areas. So we've talked about in in um, entrepreneurship for instance and access to finance and it's about standing up for and calling out actively and recognizing the challenges um, that that group are experiencing so we have many many allies in our network and on our board we have some fantastic men we have um, a man in our team and all our roles are open to both men and women and many um, men attend our events and our conferences and awards and within our women in tech awards we have um, a male advocate of the year um, award deliberately so I think there is a spotlight now on allyship in a way that there never was and um, and it's brilliant to see men out there actually saying yes no I understand I see what it must be like to have to be the minority in the room and what can I do to help increase your voice what can I do to make sure that this underrepresentation and disadvantage might change and I suppose if there are any men listening to this now that have felt that this podcast was just all about women this is something that they could be thinking of doing within their organisation, their company. Absolutely. So looking at the leadership of the team, looking at who's on your board, who's sitting at around the tables where decisions are made, what does that look like in terms of gender representation and what might we do to change that? Who has been your biggest role model, Lorraine? So I guess when I think about role models, I'm often influenced by people who have come from ordinary backgrounds um, and so somebody um, like Michelle Obama, oh, you know, her. exactly would spring to mind. Um, also Kamala Harris, who's the current US vice president. So people who've just got really inspirational stories. I think they've come from um, normal backgrounds. We want, we all want to, it's easy to think, oh, well, it's easy for them. And I think when you see someone who's come from a normal background and they've just worked hard, to me, that's super motivating. But also I would place a lot of importance on values and kindness and how you treat other people. So I look at role models and leaders who really show that because sometimes we don't always see that in our leaders. And I think I was really impressed by Edgesinta Adern oh, yes. as a leader and how she showed kindness and vulnerability and humanness. Um, she also stepped down, didn't she? She did. She said her tank was empty. And again, I think so many of us kind of said, I hear you. can relate to that. I hear you. She'll be back. Of course. Yeah, she will. Um, how can any listeners join Women in Business? So w- listeners just need to go to our website, so womeninbusinessni.com. Um, they can join there. They can see all the events we have to offer and all the opportunities. 
And through that as well, they'll be able to get links to any other part of the WIB group. So that's Diversity Mark, Timely Careers and the Centre of Learning. The future is definitely bright for the WIB group. Um, are you excited about what's ahead? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? I am ex- I'm completely excited. I'm getting a new team member soon, so I'm very excited about, about that. And that's really to to bring on board more members across all sectors and really look at um, how we can make sure we're helping women in the workplace wherever they are. And I think in terms of the other parts of the WIB group, I've mentioned the work we're doing around timely careers and supporting women returners, increasing our programmes with that relate to professional and personal development through Centre of Learning. So both those areas of the big business are really growing. And then Diversity Mark, uh, which is the accrediting body for diversity and inclusion in the workplace, is just really inspirational. There's so many progressive organisations now signing up for the Diversity Mark, and that's just great to see. I think for Northern Ireland, having so many progressive organisations on our doorstep is really something to be proud of um, and also gives tons of opportunities um, for for new careers and possibilities. Now, Lorraine, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business. From your experience working across the Northern Irish entrepreneurship ecosystem over the last decade, what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether that risk is worth taking? So, as I've said before, I think um, Northern Ireland is one of the best places to start and grow a business. There's so much support here. And within Women in Business, we're offering coffee and conversations for people who've got a business idea or they just really want to explore their emerging business. So that's something that we offer. But there are so many different networks out there to support. So to contact your local enterprise agency, and really just go with the idea and see what help um, can be given. And I think a coffee and a conversation is a great place to start. Nothing too daunting. Exactly. Just open up exactly. the conversation. Just a chat. Ach, Lorraine, well, thank you for our chat uh, today in the Public Eye podcast studio. Lorraine Atchison there, Managing Director of Women in Business Northern Ireland. Um, thank you to Lorraine for joining me today. Thank you, as always, to everyone for tuning in. I'll be back with the next very special episode but I'll be joined by John and Kieran O'Hagan from Specialist Joinery in Mahara. That's it from the Public Eye podcast. I'll see you next time. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.